connect with God through song. Amen. Uh, I do want to say a huge thank you. Uh, before we jump into my lesson here this morning, huge thank you to Tony and Vita for sharing, uh, for community contribution. Let's give them another round of applause. And uh, it's really incredible, Tony, especially just to hear your, your background and, and yet to see the character that you, you have now. Yeah. And really, it's amazing to see the transformation that God has done uh, in your life, uh, even in spite of uh, all that you've gone through. And, and you're an incredible shepherd. Uh, you and Vita uh, together are just such a, a loving couple. And so yeah. great to have Come you on. in the church here in Toronto. Amen. Uh, thank you so much, Vita, for sharing. And, and truly, I, I think the church can agree that, that there, there's really uh, not a greater couple uh, that you can lift up. In terms of generosity yeah. and what they've given to the church. Come on, the church. Uh, I do want to note very quickly here that if you were considering giving contribution and you weren't able to do it physically, uh, I know that many in the church, we, we, we kind of got ourselves into this virtual age. And so the most of our, our giving is done online uh, or virtually uh, through e-transfers. And so if you're looking for an e-transfer email address, it's torontoicc at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you want to give to normal weekly contribution, just earmark it as contribution. If you want to give it to missions contribution, just put missions or benevolence or whatever else is on your heart. You just go ahead and put a little notation there, and we'll make sure that that uh, e-transfer and your contribution goes to the right place. Amen? Amen. 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 You know, there's a, there's a preacher story uh, about a guy who, who wasn't very content with the cross that, that he was to carry in his life. You ever been there as a Christian? Yeah. Where God's got you going through things, and God's got you in a certain circumstance, and for whatever reason, you're just not very content with your situation or with your circumstance. Well, this particular man was looking around, and he was looking around at all the other Christians, and he goes, God, it's not fair. They have lighter crosses than my cross. Or their crosses are shaped differently. Or they have better crosses than the one I'm carrying. Please, God, give me a different cross. Well, all of a sudden, boom, he woke up, and he was surrounded by this, this room that was you know, all cloudy, and it was almost like a dream. And in this room was just crosses laid out all over in every corner, in every nook, every cranny, around every, every turn. There were more crosses. It was just filled with crosses. And then all of a sudden, the man heard a voice coming out from this room. My dear son, you're not content with your cross. Why don't you pick a different one? He goes, oh, yes, this is going to be awesome. So he goes around and he goes, oh, no, not that one. That's not shaped correctly. No, not that one. That one's, you know, it's, it's a cross and it's small, but it's built out of iron. That's going to be really heavy. He goes some more and he goes, no, it's too big. No, that one's too pokey. It's got some splinters in it. I don't want that one. And he, he looks and as he's going around the room, he sees one cross that's just gigantic. He goes, I'm not messing with that thing. That's got to be Jesus's cross. But as he's looking around, he, he goes around and he sees in the corner this, this cross. And he goes, man, this is perfect. It was the right size. It was the right shape. It wasn't too pokey. It wasn't too heavy. It was, it was the perfect one. And he goes, that's the one. That's the cross I want. Well, all of a sudden, that voice comes back. My dear son, that's the cross you brought in. <laughs> the title of our lesson this morning is Carry a Cross. Carry a Cross. And isn't it true that sometimes that can be us? But we get discontented with the cross that God has given us to carry. 
We start complaining. We, we become unhappy with the lifestyle that we have as Christians. And yet we're reminded from the scriptures that God calls us to carry our cross. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, the Bible says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You know, Jesus didn't say that some people need to carry their cross. He, he didn't say that only a few will have to carry their cross. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple would have to pick up the cross and carry it daily. He said daily. He didn't say carry it for a couple days. He didn't say carry it for a month or two months or carry it for a few years and, and just go through this religious phase. Go on a two-year Mormon mission. That's not the idea of the cross. Because you got to carry that cross each and every day, every single day for the rest of your life. Are you carrying your cross this morning? Turn your Bible to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Come on, bro. You know, Jesus carried his cross. And right here in Mark chapter 8, we, we see him talking about the cross that Jesus carried. And we'll start in verse 31. The Bible says Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed and after three days he would rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. In Matthew's account, Peter said, never Lord. This shall never happen to you. Verse 33. But when Jesus turned to look at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have the mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know, from the very, very beginning, and even with Jesus' disciples, people have always tried to hold one another back from the cross. Right here we find that even Jesus' disciples, despite Jesus telling them that he was going to have to die for them. In fact, looking at the Old Testament and teaching them from the Old Testament that this was necessary. Even still, as he's preparing to go to the cross, Peter took him aside and goes, never, Lord. This can't happen to you. We can't lose you. You're not supposed to be uncomfortable, Jesus. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. You know, I think that Jesus... In turning to Peter, wasn't really talking to Peter. I think Jesus, in his, his wisdom and in his spiritual insight, saw beyond the human that was standing before him and understood that there was a spiritual reality, a spiritual force that was working in Peter yeah. that, that, that caused him to say what he said. And so Jesus kind of skipped over Peter's head and he goes, Get behind me, Satan. You know, I believe that if Jesus' disciples try to hold him back from the cross, then there are going to be people in our life, mm -hmm. in our generation, that like Peter, try to hold us back from the cross as well. And yeah, I believe that like Jesus, we've got to have the spiritual insight and fortitude to realize it's not really them. But that there are spiritual forces that are working behind them. Yeah. And like Jesus, we too need to say, get Behind me, Satan. Let's talk about carrying our cross this morning. Let's go to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Come on, Evan. Our first point 
deny yourself and take up your cross. Deny yourself and take up your cross. Mark chapter 8. Some of us getting a little quiet right here. Yeah. Are you guys fired up about your cross in Christ? Woo! Yeah. Well, I'm going to encourage you guys right here. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. The Bible says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very soul? Or what can anyone give you in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and in the glory of the holy angels. And then he said, I'm truly, I tell you, some more standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. You know, Jesus' expectation was quite clear. He expected that anyone that wanted to be a follower of his would also have to carry their cross. You know, very interestingly in my mind as I was reading this, I was thinking about what that must have meant to those disciples. As they had just heard Jesus speaking about his own cross that he was going to carry. That he was going to have to suffer many things at the hand of the Pharisees and the other religious leaders of his generation. That he was going to have to suffer the, the, the gruesome death of crucifixion. And then Jesus goes, hey guys, you're going to have to do it too. You know what's amazing is I think that a lot of us misinterpret the scripture. Some of us think that what Jesus was calling them to carry was Jesus's cross. No, no, Jesus is the only one who could ever carry that cross. Amen. You with me on that? Amen. We're not called to go and get crucified for the sins of mankind. That that was Jesus's cross. Amen. But right here he goes. You gotta pick up your cross yeah. and carry it. What, what is the cross that we're supposed to carry? Well, our cross is simply the cross of Christianity, the cross of discipleship. Discipleship. And, and what's awesome is that as disciples carrying our spiritual cross, the cross of discipleship, we can look at Jesus carrying his cross and learn from Jesus carrying his cross. To learn how to better carry our own cross. You with me on that? Yeah. Turn with me to Mark chapter 15. Come on, Evan. Mark chapter 15. I know some of you guys are all tired. One hour made that big of a difference. Come on, bro. Stay up till 3, 4 in the morning. It was daylight savings. I'm so tired. Mark 15, verse 31. Right here we find that Jesus is carrying his cross. And in fact, he's on his way to his crucifixion. And the Bible says a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross. The only man to have ever even helped carry Jesus' cross. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine and myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes, and they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. I mean, this is this was Jesus' morning. 
You know, very interestingly right here, as Jesus was carrying his cross to his own crucifixion, we know this journey would have been about 600 meters. He's brought to Golgotha. The word Golgotha is the Aramaic word for skull. And the reason why is because the hill that he was being crucified on literally looked like a skull. So you can imagine the horror of this whole situation. Having already been beat all night. Bloody. Mocked. Made fun of. And then being forced to carry at least a portion of this cross. 600 yards to what looked like a skeleton. A skull. But the Bible records here that as he was carrying that cross, the Roman soldiers saw it necessary to bring in Simon of Cyrene to help Jesus carry his cross. Now, what you might not know is that Jesus actually is not recorded falling yeah. while he carried his cross. Yeah. In fact, that's a tradition that was created by the Roman Catholic Church. But it's not found anywhere in Scripture. Jesus did not fall when he carried his cross. And I think that there's a lesson in that. In fact, I want to point out four lessons in Jesus' example right here in carrying his cross. Number one, Jesus didn't fall so that when you fell, you wouldn't fail. Wow. Not only was Jesus carried his cross physically, but also metaphorically speaking, he never sinned. He was absolutely perfect. He never fell. In fact, because he was perfect, he was the only one that could carry his physical cross and die for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And therefore, we don't have to be perfect. We can still fail and be righteous. You with me on that? Yeah. You know, I think that sometimes people get a little bit confused about who we are as disciples. You know, we're disciples, and we're, we're now a part of this amazing church. In fact, it's a perfect church. Uh, let me tell you, disciples are not perfect. And for sure, the church is not perfect. You with me on that? Just look at the guy leading it. That's true. Come on, bro. As a Christian, you're not no longer a sinner. You're still a sinner. Yeah. You're just a repentant, forgiven sinner. You remember that? But here's what's amazing. When you collect a bunch of repentant sinners together, guess what they're going to do best? They're going to sin. And yet sometimes when you see sin in the church, and we go, oh no, Valentina's got sin. Valentina! Married couples try to minimize the conflicts that they have. Yeah, we didn't have a fight. We just had a little bump. 
No, no, no. That's a fight. You fought. Right? So he had a little, a little bump with his wife. And we're talking about it. And he goes, you know, bro, I, I don't understand. You know, I've been trying to you know, figure this out. He was a newly married guy. He goes, you know, I, I, I genuinely love my wife more than any other human being on earth. And yet I find it harder to treat her as well as I treat other people. In fact, I would even say that I treat her worse than many other people in my life, even though I love her more than other people in my life. And I go, you know, as a married guy for, for numbers of years, I kind of relate to that. You with me on that, Mary Guys? Yeah, raise your hand on that. It's hard to figure out, you know, why is the, the, the case that our wives often get the brunt of our worst side? And I thought about that, and then I realized what it was. I think to some degree or another, all of us, when we leave the house, we put on our little Christian facade. We leave the house, and we're like, okay, I can, I can muscle through this, and I can be kind to those that are not being kind to me. I can share my faith and I can carry my crosses at the side. But sometimes when we get home, we like to kind of set that cross down. Yeah. Come on, Dylan. A little bit. That, bro. Yeah. We like to just kind of, quote, be ourselves. Yeah, bro. But here's the problem. Yourself is messed up. Yeah. That's why the Bible says deny yourself. Yeah. See, who you are... But because Jesus never fell, we can. Yeah. And still be saved. You know, I'll be honest, I'm so tired of hearing persecution directed at church leadership in our movement. Yeah. yeah. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. In fact, recently, there was things that I read about Kip, who's our movement leader. Yeah. And usually what I read about him is... You know, number one is that he's a multi-billionaire and that he's somehow stolen all of our money and he's used it to buy this mansion and, and live this lavish lifestyle. Now, keep in mind, I know Kip. I've been to his house. His house is smaller than some of your houses. It's a two-bedroom condo. And he drives a Honda Accord. He shares it with his wife. Yeah. But you know what? Even though half the stuff that's written about him are, are, is garbage... What if it were true? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. I didn't sign up to follow Kip. Oh. Come on, bro. You got it, bro. As far as I can tell, there's only one perfect guy in the Bible. Yeah. And Jesus Christ. We're not perfect. Who cares if church leaders have sin in their life? Amen. Confront them. But if you're not going to confront them, then shut up. Whoa! Come on, bro! You're going to choose to pick up your cross because Jesus carried his cross. Now, the second thing we can learn right here is Jesus didn't fall, but he had someone help him. You know, what an amazing thing. Jesus didn't fall when he the way the cross. Awesome. That's incredible. But isn't it amazing that, that somebody was called to help Jesus? And to this day, the only man ever to have ever even helped to carry Jesus' cross? You know, I love that final scene of, of Lord of the Rings. Oh, Do we have any Lord of the Rings fans here? Yeah. 
Can't relate. I, I, I'm not a big, you know, Lord of the Rings fan, but I did appreciate the final scene yeah. Yeah. in the third of what turned out to be like four-hour uh, movies about these fantasy land things. In the last scene, Frodo is carrying this ring that only he could carry. And as he's getting close to that little lake of lava that he was supposed to throw that ring in, he starts to get pretty weak. And it looks like he doesn't have the strength to make it. But luckily he has Samwise. I think that's his name. And his friend Sam, who had been with him from the beginning, he says these words. He says, come, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. Picks him up, takes him over there, and they cranked it, and they threw that ring in the lava. And weren't you so fired up that finally the ring was done, and you had to stop watching these Lord of the Rings movies? Come on, you know, I think one of the most incredible things about being a disciple is the fact that we can be discipled. Yeah. Yeah. There are people that God puts in our lives to teach us, to show us the way, to point out things are false about us, to show us our flat sides or our blind spots, to teach us, to train us, to correct us, to rebuke us, to, to encourage us. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? And we're about the soul out discipling movement. But we sure can help carry one another. Yeah. You know, I love Proverbs 27, verse 17. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens his love. Amen. Come on, Rich. Isn't that true? You just start hanging out with guys like Isaiah. You start feeling sharpened. Right? You start hanging out with guys like Dylan. You're like, man, I'm getting sharpened up right here. This is great. Now, you know what happens when iron starts rubbing against iron? Oh, Some sparks start to fly. You with me on that? Come on, Dylan. And sometimes when something that starts to happen, in some ways, it can even cause some of us to not appreciate the discipling. Because we don't like the sparks that are coming in from it. Like, man, things are getting a little hot right here. There are little fires that are starting. I'm starting to kind of feel the heat in my own heart. Lay off me. Leave me alone. Stop showing me my faults. You know, if Jesus needed help, who are you to think that you don't? <laughs> Jesus needed help with his cross. We've got to appreciate the discipling and the people that God has put in our lives to help us and hold up our arms. You know, number three, Jesus could have numbed out. You know, I love the scripture. The Bible says that they, they gave him a wine mixed with myrrh, which was kind of like a painkiller. They offered it to Jesus, but the Bible says that Jesus refused it. Why would Jesus refuse a painkiller? It's not wrong, biblically speaking, to take painkillers. If you're using it in a, a prescribed manner, not recreationally, on, not overdoing it. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with drinking wine in the scriptures as long as you're not getting drunk. Why would Jesus refuse to embrace this painkiller on his way to the cross? You know, I, I believe that it was because Jesus wanted to totally rely on God and nothing else yeah. in order to go to the cross. And yet, he chooses to face his pain instead of escaping from it. You know, I think as Christians, sometimes when we're carrying our cross, it's painful. 
You with me? Anybody who's been a disciple for any number of years knows that there are periods of time where it's just painful. Yeah. It's painful to be a disciple. Some of us are feeling it right now. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Feeling some pain today. Man, it's tough. But you know, there are two responses to our pain that I think really reveals our reliance on God and our dependence on God. Number one is we can try to escape from it. Yeah. But we throw ourselves into things like entertainment. Yeah. Or sleep or work. We try to avoid it at all costs. And what happens is it numbs our hearts. Yeah. Our hearts get hard-hearted. And all of a sudden we can't enjoy our relationship with God anymore. We can't enjoy just being a Christian. We can't appreciate all that God is doing in our lives. The second way is to face it head on. Yeah. And to go, you know what? This is painful. This is hard. But I need God to get me through it. Yeah. And then when we rely on God, not only does it get us through the pain, and we, we have the strength to face it, but, but God protects our heart from getting hard. And we learn the lessons that God has us for, for us to learn. And we get better instead of getting better. Yeah. You know, I so appreciate our sister, Adriana. Oh. And Adriana right now is not here. She's in Belize because uh, a week and a half ago, she found out instantly and suddenly that her dad, her dad passed away. Her, her dad died. And it was, she had no idea that, that there were any health complications or anything like that. Just kind of out of the blue, she gets a message that her dad, dad died. She flies to Belize, and she's been doing incredible uh, just in her own spirituality and staying strong. And Lord willing, she'll be back here soon Amen. Uh, to be back with our family. But I was so blown away this past week because Kelly had her birthday. Mm -hmm. And we get this doorbell chime on our, our doorbell. Oh, wow. And at our door, there was a, a big bouquet of flowers oh, wow. from Adriana. Oh, wow, here's this girl who's grieving for the loss of her dad that we should be sending flowers her way. And she's still thinking about Kelly and her birthday and how to encourage Kelly. That's the heart that we've got to have. Not nothing else. Relying on God through our pain. Finally, we find right here that carrying our cross is the only way to inspire others to carry their cross. You know, turn over to Romans chapter 16. Come on, Evan. It's very interesting right here, but the Bible records that Simon of Cyrene was a father. He had two sons, Alexander and Rufus. Oh. Alexander and Rufus. I don't know if that's one of the names that Isaiah and Liz are considering for their child. Oh. Rufus. It's a girl. But Simon named his kids Alexander and Rufus. Turn with me to Romans chapter 16 in verse 13. Romans 16, verse 13. Paul says, greet Rufus. Chosen in the Lord. And his mother, who's been a mother to me too. You know, usually in the Bible, there's only two ways to get your name in there. Either you've done something incredibly wicked. Or you've done something incredibly awesome and became a Christian. You would have done that? Yeah. And so we find right here that Rufus has become a disciple most likely. Scholars would say that Rufus's father, Simon of Cyrene, had become a Christian. That Alexander had become a Christian. That their mother had become a Christian. That Simon was so impacted by his short 600-yard journey carrying Jesus' cross with him. Wow. And he goes back and he chooses to become a disciple. And his family are blown away by him carrying his cross. And they choose to become disciples too. And not only that, but even after Simon is no longer in the picture. And Alexander is no longer in the picture. Most likely because they die. Their mother, his wife, 
becomes a spiritual mother of the faith to the Apostle Paul. Isn't that incredible right there? Yeah, come on. You see, at the end of the day, Jesus carried his cross, and Jesus inspired Simon because he was willing to carry his cross. And then Simon inspired his family to carry their cross. Who can you inspire? Come on, Evan. By choosing to carry your cross. Come on, bro. Deny yourself and pick up your cross. Let's go to our second point. Come on, Evan. Deny yourself at any cost. Turn over to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. You guys with me here this morning? Yeah. John chapter 12. I'm only 28 minutes in. I'm just getting started, guys. John chapter 12, verse 23. You know, once more, when we find Jesus referring to him picking up his own cross. This charge of Jesus is recorded in all of the four Gospels. Mark, Luke, and, and, and Matthew all have it very similar, but John's version is slightly different. Verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Whoever, well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Yeah. Deny yourself at any cost. Wow, come on. You know, right here, as Jesus was speaking about carrying his cross, he uses this analogy of a, a kernel of wheat. And he goes, you know, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, if that kernel dies, it has the opportunity to produce many more seeds or many more stalks of wheat. You know, I never forget a brother, a big senior in L.A. He was given the opportunity to preach, and he, he was, he was uh, preaching about this scripture. And I'll never forget, Vic Sr., if you know who that is, he's a character. Come on. And he, he walked up on stage, and first of all, he had this giant knife. It was like a machete. I mean, who's walking on stage with a machete? And I'm getting a little scared because I'm preaching right after him. So he gets up on stage with a machete, and he's got a briefcase with him. So he walks up on stage with his briefcase, his machete, lays out the briefcase, opens the briefcase out, pulls out the machete, and goes, okay. I want to ask you guys, how many of you know how many seeds are in this app? And all of a sudden, you know, all these different people in the crowd start throwing out different numbers, you know, four, six, eight, twelve. And then he, he, after hearing all these people shout out numbers, he stops everybody and goes, okay, guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many seeds are in the apple. What matters is how many apples are in each seat. Yeah. It just cuts open the apple right in front of everybody. It was awesome. But it's so true yeah, come on. that the only way for us to multiply ourselves as disciples is to be like Jesus, to be like that kernel of wheat, to choose to sacrifice, to die to ourselves so that others may live. Holy Josh was clapping. Let's try that again. No, no seriousness. It, it's, it's a challenge. That's why we don't clap. It's a challenge. Come on, bro. You know, I, I've, been, I've been very blown away by 
uh, what's happening in the, the eastern part of the world. Yeah. And I, I try to stay pretty informed of what's going on in society in the world, especially the church. And because it's affected our brothers and sisters, I want to know what's happening in Ukraine. Yeah. So I, I've been blown away to, to see all that's happening. It's, it's tragic. It's, it's incredibly uh, terrible. The things that are being shown on the media and the, the things that are happening there. People are suffering and dying. Yeah. And yet I think I've been so blown away by all the humanitarian help that, that people have been giving. Mm -hmm. I mean, millions and millions of dollars are being sent to Ukraine to help. And, and, and that it's necessary yeah. to take care of the people there in Ukraine. But you know what I was really moved by? I was really moved by some soldiers that are from North America, that live here in North America, who chose to fly over to Ukraine and jump in the fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's mind-blowing. Yeah. You know, here these guys are. It's one thing to, to give financially. It's one thing to give money or cash or humanitarian aid or help. It's a whole other thing to give your life yeah. to help yeah. people. You with me on that? Yeah. And yet at the end of the day, that's, that's what the Bible calls us to do. Mm -hmm. To sacrifice not only our dollars, but our entire lives. Yeah. You know, I believe that the war in Ukraine is just simply a symptom of the greater issue in the world today. Mm. It's a physical war, but it's really because of a, a spiritual war that's been going on for century after century after century after century. Yeah. That's just a symptom. The, the world is wicked place. This isn't something new. There's been wars in Syria. There's been wars in, in Ethiopia. There's been civil war all over Africa. This isn't something new. Come on, bro. These things are happening because there is something going on in the world that is spiritually affecting the hearts of mankind. Yeah, right. Your bro. The only solution to a spiritual problem is Jesus. Yeah. A spiritual solution. Yeah. And that's why as disciples, that's what we do. We share our faith, we study the Bible with people, we make disciples and make disciples and make disciples and make disciples, hoping that one day some disciples will make a politician to a disciple. Yeah. And eventually they'll get to make the prime minister into a disciple. Yeah. Who knows what will happen? Maybe we get the, the guy, the, the head guy of, of the Taliban in Afghanistan, and he becomes a disciple. Yeah. I mean, you never know. But the only way to change this world is to do it Jesus' way. Yeah. You know, a lot of us, we, we like to talk about that, and we like to dream about that. But when it comes down to living it, yes. come on. it can be quite a challenge. Mm. We go, missions, contribution, oh my gosh, 22 times. You know, I don't want you, but I'd rather give 22 times my normal weekly contribution than dying. <laughs> Facts, bro. You with me on that? Yeah. Which one's easier, killing yourself or giving 22 times? Uh, 22 times. 22 times. Yeah. But if we're really willing to give our entire lives, then, then 22 times is looking a lot easier. Yeah. Yes. Come on. Yeah. The question is, are we really going to sacrifice ourselves? Are we really going to be like Jesus and be like that Colonel of Wheat that really understands the cost and is willing to do things at any cost to seek and save the lost? And that's our last point. Deny yourself to save the lost. Come on. Let's go to Luke 23. Come on, Evan. Luke 23. Come on, bro. Come on. Luke 23, verse 32. Very famous story in regard to Jesus, not only carrying his cross, but even being on his cross. In verse 32, the Bible records that other men 
two other men. Both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, Golgotha, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said to them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes, casting lots. Keep on down to verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us! This is pretty ironic. Because the term Messiah literally means Savior. And so, in order for Jesus to be the Messiah, he had to go to the cross. And yet, the demand is for him to prove that he was the Messiah by coming off the cross. Mm. Whoa. See, isn't that how the world kind of twists things around? Yeah. Yes. Now Satan twists things around? Yes. Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for our getting where our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Even on the cross, Jesus was evangelistic. Yeah. And cranky? Yeah. What's your excuse? You had a bad week? Oh, okay. He was on the cross. Yeah. There were nails in his wrists and his feet. And he goes, hey, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Yeah. that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. That cranking? Yeah. Well, i got to add to it. Go over to Matthew chapter 27. Come on, Come on bro. Come on. Matthew 27. Here's Matthew's account. Matthew records a, a detail that we don't see right here in Luke's account. Matthew 27, verse 38. Come on, Evan. Bible says two rebels were crucified with them, one on his right and one on his left. Verse 44. In the same way, the rebels, plural, were crucified with them also heaped insults on him. You know, I think that a lot of us have this, this, this concept in our minds or this, this perspective that, you know, Jesus was crucified next to these two guys and one of them was a pretty good guy and the other one was a messed up, rotten, hard-hearted criminal. And the guy that was pretty good, you know, saw what Jesus was doing. He goes, hey, please remember me when you, you get up to paradise. And Jesus goes, hey, Father, you're going to be with me. You're forgiven. Amen? Amen. But, but that's not what happened. Both criminals were insulting Jesus. Both these guys looked down on Jesus. Both these guys were hard-hearted. But something happened. Something happened while they were on the cross. Yeah. Now, I thought about what that could be. You know, Jesus was on the cross. So it wasn't like he could come down from the cross and, like, heal the guy or cast a demon out of him. It wasn't like Jesus said anything to him. In fact, we know exactly what Jesus said on the cross. There were seven short statements he made while he hung on the cross. And Jesus does not record it talking to this criminal, this thief, except for that last statement. He says, today you'll be in paradise. He didn't even say anything to him. But somehow Jesus, while hanging on the cross, was able to have an impact yeah. on that guy next to him. I thought about what, what would it have been while Jesus was hanging there. What, what would have moved this guy's heart? And it came to me that really the only thing that he could have done is really just have an incredible attitude. Yeah. As he was hanging on the cross. 
I mean, what, did I, what a heart Jesus had. He's there, and he goes, Father, those guys right there that are gambling away my, for my clothes. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that thief goes, wow. This guy is mad. He is innocent. They are crucifying somebody who is totally righteous and pure and innocent. Wow, Jesus, when you get there, I believe in you. You take me with Come on, bro. Because today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, I, I think about this scripture, and I think about all the people here in Toronto. You know, sometimes we go, man, the people here are just so hard-hearted. They're just so not open to God's word. You know, I don't think anybody's more hard-hearted than these two criminals that were hung next to Jesus. But yet, maybe the issue is not their hard-heartedness. Maybe the issue is not that all of the people here in Toronto are like the thieves, but maybe it's the issue that we're not enough like Jesus. Oh, come on, Evan. Preach that, bro. We just have a heart for people. Yeah. Just a love for people mm-hmm. and a love for God. What did that thief see while he was on the cross? Well, let's go close out in Romans chapter 12. Point in here. Oh, sorry, come Hebrews 12. Romans 12 is great, too, but we're going to do Hebrews. All right. Come on, bro. Hebrews 12. Perhaps you came this morning and you're like, man, this is heavy. Look at all these scriptures of Jesus on the cross and death, and man, this is tough. Like, this is reality. Yeah, come on. Yeah. This is what the Bible teaches. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the what? Joy. The joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, when I I first read that scripture, I was trying to figure out what the joy was that was set before Jesus. Why did he go to the cross? What was in his mind as he went to the cross? That he kept in mind as he was going through all that pain and all that suffering. The joy. What was that? And at first thought, I, I thought it was just referring to heaven. That Jesus was just excited to get up to heaven. But then as I... I understood it more and, and studied it more, I realized, well, Jesus would have gone to heaven without going to the cross. Yes. He was totally pure. He was totally innocent. He was righteous. He was perfect. He, he just, if you would have just decided to, to walk away from the cross and say, hey, guys, you're on your own. He would have gone right back up to heaven. Yeah. And so what is the joy set before Jesus that he had in his mind while he was on the cross that helped him to be full of joy? And had that attitude in that heart, it was you. Come on. It, it was me. It was us. And so today our challenge is very simple. In considering the scriptures and considering our, our charge from Jesus to carry our cross, the challenge is this. If you were the joy that was set before Jesus, that motivated him to carry his cross. Yeah. Will you today choose to let Jesus be the joy set before you. To motivate you to pick up and carry your cross. To him be the glory. I love you. God bless.